the name! And my goodness, it's gone way down to Swansea. Finishes off in style. I was, I was sat in the cabinet room and I was like hosting me on me. The big man, the fridge is open. He's flown like a gazelle. What can Chris Gale do? He goes low. Oh, you rat. You've got a man beside you. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Out with the Moose Cup, in with India 2020. This is the wrong one. Joining me is Max Parry. Hello. And Ollie Gordon. Hi, Bertie. And as always, we'll be bringing you a sweet slice of the cricketing action. I think, I reckon, if it we're a Victoria sponge cake, we're talking at least two tiers of cricket analysis sponge. And then in the middle, a sort of mediocre portion of Ollie suggesting that batting's the only thing that matters in cricket and bowling can just go to hell in a handcart. And then there's also this from Max Parry. Game seems to be in the balance. There isn't quite a lot going on. The wicket looks flat as a f- It's as if they're batting on the A127, which, if any of you are based in the Essex area, you will know that is the road that will take you into the Wickford Basildon area. Is up to the wicket now, and he's played inside the line of that. Rishabh Pant, thoroughly unconvincing wicketkeeper, very good batsman. Takes it nicely, Tim Payne, looking off into the distance, perhaps looking for one of his friends. No, none, yeah, okay, cool. Fox Cricket signed him up. That was painful, wasn't it? (laughs) I mean, we spoke spoke about this beforehand, but it's alarming how, um, you know, succinct and articulate Max is after after drinking. The points he makes are all very relevant, I for one, and, and fully into that. Uh, kind of commentary and as, as you say I think he'd fit right in at home on non-Fox cricket Well Rongan Towers has been treated to I'd say at least two nights of every uh, every test in, in in Australia to Max Parry's commentary warblings after two bottles of wine and quite frankly there are certain stations which you actually are doing a better job than, than, the, than the professionals on Yeah mate Fox cricket they, they don't set a high bar I know they're Australian but they don't set a high bar for uh, for sort of analysis and uh, I don't know an, an eloquent appraisal of what's going on. Not that I would say my appraisal was particularly eloquent, but I do I do wonder whether my my cricket brain is sort of freed up by uh, by <laughs> copious amounts of lubricated exactly. by copious amounts of uh, Oyster Bay, which uh, <laughs> is very very reasonably priced quite often. So I would as, recommend you go and buy some. As regular listeners will know, I normally tend to do this podcast uh, two beers in, which is the perfect <laughs> amount of podcast lubricant. Yeah, what what are, were you drinking tonight, Bertie? It looks like a uh, Stella Arturis. No, no, it's a it's a Peroni. It's from uh, uh-huh. carrying on from my work drinks this evening. Oh, work drinks on a Thursday? Are you mad? Yeah, well, I, we I don't know. I worked late on a Friday, so it suits me. The media world, hey. Yeah, elsewhere, elsewhere in my world, my back is absolutely destroyed by uh, by crouching over a desk at home for. About eighteen months, so uh, I'll be about three inches shorter in a few months' time. Well, it's funny you should say that, Bertie. I have actually got some uh, some tips for you that I'll share off air oh, because I do only work part time in the minute, and I only teach Thursday afternoons. I was fortunate enough to watch Anton Debeck sharing his uh, his <laughs> tips for how to avoid sore necks and sore backs while working from home. So uh, so holler at me, and I'll be able to help you out. But you need to keep that posture nice and upright as well and stop that neck going over because uh, I'm not surprised you've got a sore back I mean the posture is quite frankly non-existent 
It's so bad that despite never having searched it on Google, I get targeted Facebook ads with people who look like the Hunchback of Notre Dame being like, here's what I did to straighten out my scoliosis. So uh, we're heading in the wrong direction, uh, to be perfectly honest. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, before yes. the Indian Spring has come, we've just had the Sri Lankan winter. Uh, England victorious in the Moose Cup. 2-0 victory in a series which I've been struggling to tell, to be quite honest, whether England have played well or whether Joe Root has played well. Uh, what's the answer? I think that... I don't, no, I, I, I'm obviously Joe Root's played especially well, but I think there are signs for in, signs of encouragement uh, throughout the squad. I thought Dan Lawrence, I'm going to mention Dan Lawrence first, obviously. Um, I thought he was highly impressive in the first test. He plays, uh, he plays spin incredibly well, despite getting out in some pretty, pretty unpleasant fashion in the second, in the second test to spin. But um, I think, no, I think there are definite, reasons to be cheerful from an England perspective. That said, do I expect them to get pumped by India? Yes. Um, so, look, there are plenty of players to come back. I think perhaps we were on a bit of a hiding to nothing because despite winning 2-0 quite convincingly, the fact that you've even asked that question suggests that there was a no-win situation, really. Had we failed to win this series against a pretty poor Sri Lankan side, we'd all be pointing the finger and saying, you know, oh my God, we're going to get ruined by India. And we've won 2-0 when we're still sort of saying we're going to get ruined by India. Mm. Well, quite frankly, there's... Well, for two tests, for two tests, we'll take two tests. There's no stopping the boy Joe Root. 426 runs in total, an average of over 100. He's passed Boycott, Peterson, Gower, fourth highest England test run scorer of all time. I've never seen a man play a sweep shot so exquisitely well. Mm. You know, before the, um, in, during maybe the New Zealand series, I think there were adverts, or maybe it was on Instagram, there were adverts for the Joe Root Cricket Academy where he was getting a little ball buddy to feed him um, sort of bubble feeds and he was smashing sweeps. And I thought, nice gimmick. Um, if I were to go <laughs> on a Joe Root Academy course, I'm sure it might help a little bit. I can't imagine it doing an awful lot. But I mean, that boy clearly spends hours upon hours getting that little bead feed buddy feeding him bobble feed and him smoking it because uh that boy as you say can sweep he averages 300 whilst sweeping in test cricket which is unbelievable should get him to clear up the leaves in my back garden um yeah no he, do you know what else he does yeah no worries um i don't have a garden um do you know what else he does the uh the root academy i've seen he's been doing these uh these like drop feeds stand on one leg drives have you guys seen that don't try that 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 is how one breaks one's ankle it's on and i don't see what purpose it serves why, why is he doing that what does that help really i don't know flair i'd imagine yeah. i do enjoy sure. how uh, did you know it's both Joe and Billy's company that the Root Academy. If I'm going along to, if I'm going along <laughs> to <laughs> guess who I'm most looking forward to seeing? Oh, you get to right, meet Root. <laughs> yeah, I feel like one's somewhat piggybacking the other's uh, career there, but you know. Well, I only realised practically weeks ago uh, that he had number six on his, sixty-six in his back because it was Route sixty-six. That was that was big. Oh, come on, me. mate. Yeah, come on. That's uh, that's old news. That yes. is old 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 news. Do we do we not think um, 
Billy Root being part of the Root Academy is a bit like, you know, when there's a really successful, like an entrepreneur who's a re- really successful and he's got a younger brother that's sort of struggling a little bit. Maybe he's more arty and he's not got that hard-nosed capitalist sort of outlook and he sets him <laughs> up in a shop or something. Do you reckon that's what's going on? He's gone, oh, Billy, you know, maybe he's, maybe Joe Root's mum sent him an email or a Facebook message or something. He mm. said, Billy's a bit, a bit unoccupied at the moment. We're a little bit worried about him. Do you want to just set up a, an enterprise or something to really... To get him going, mm. that's how I read it. I Maybe he's a little fair. bit I'm like a... the Mike Wozniak to Steve Jobs, and that Root is the sort of flashy man who gets all the credit, but potentially uh. other Root is is the brains behind the operation. Maybe he's the one who can't actually execute the technique, but he's like Joe, you need to pick this length better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Because he has been picking the length. I don't think I've ever seen a player... It, it's unusual watching England in Sri Lanka because, I mean, one of the beauties of cricket is that, is that ultimately there's different formats and different locations and every different tour in every different place gives different conditions. And it's so unusual in Sri Lanka watching there be just so much spin. You have an entire mm. session of just just spin. But as a result of that, you get to actually focus on how players bat against the spin and how they do it. And Root is so on the ball with picking the length that it's almost enjoyable just watching him figure out what ball's what and tucking it away for a single because he's so precise on it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's both that ability to pick up the length and he knows his game plan against spin so well as well. I suppose you can compare that to maybe Sibley, who ground out some runs in that second inning of the second test, but wasn't quite as convinced as convinced about uh, his approach, whether he was trying to play off the back foot or whether he was trying to get really uh, down to the pitch of the ball, whereas Root was basically, I'll sweep it unless it's in the block hole or ridiculously short. Um, and he's got three, well, he got a conventional, a paddle and a slog, and then a reverse sweep for when it's uh, for when the conventional sweep's not there. So it's such an obvious and clear game plan. And he just makes, as a result, he makes batting look so much easier than someone who doesn't quite have that clear game plan in mind. I've got a theory about why Dom Sibley and Zach Crawley can't play spin. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it would make a bad bad podcast if I said no, so I'll say it. It would make, it would make a bad podcast. I think they're a little bit too posh to be good at playing spin. Hear me out, right? They're, they're, they're obviously privately educated. They're obviously stiff upper lip. They're very repressed. And I think you need to be uh, sort of uh, flexibly minded, flexibly bodied to play spin well, you know? I know. And me, I think... Me and Holly I think really they're... Well, I think they're holding a lot in. I think they're thinking, oh, bloody, you know, you can imagine Zach Crawley sort of walking down the wicket after an embled Denier over saying, oh, bloody hell, Domo, like, it's a bloody <laughs> ragamuffin or something. You know what I mean? Like, they need to be a little bit more streetwise. They need to be a bit more street fighters, quicker on their feet, less stiff upper lip, less English, less public schooly, maybe. I don't know. What do you reckon? There's absolutely no ground behind that argument. I think it's. I think it's a strong. I want to know what Andrew Strauss averaged in Sri Lanka. That's all I'm saying. Mm, I think I gut feel very much. Yeah. Gut feel is a big, big part about coaching. I think you're on something there, Max. So uh, yeah, maybe Instagram DM them. That'll probably be the way to go. Yeah, talking yeah, about 100%. Crawley and Sibley. Both of them were sort of opening for England over the course of the series. And uh, let's be honest, our old friend uh, Amble Dinya. 
where do we get one of those? Because I want an album, an Ambaldinia playing for England in all conditions. Because he got Crawley and Sibley out for single figures in both innings of the first test and then also in the second test. Now, those two batsmen, they might have pretty good averages playing uh, spin in first-class cricket, but it's come very much under a lot of analysis in this series. And I don't think we sort of anticipated that coming up to this India series that the openers would, in a way, be the more undecided area for England. Yeah, hundred percent. I think we're in we're in an interesting little situation, as you say. The 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 rear guard at the top of the order that has served England quite well in recent times, especially in South Africa, um, is is probably going to be the weakest area of our batting lineup going into India. Um, I mean, I mean, a penny for I don't know how old is Keaton Jennings because could 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 we fly him out? He loves it in India. I think India is his favourite place in the world. Um, granted, it would be, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> what evidence selfish. He, mate, he scores runs in India. It's a fact. He can't play the swinging ball. He can't play the seaming ball, but that's why he loves it in India. It doesn't do either of those things. It, you know, it rags predictably and granted sharply, but he just gets that lap out. He just gets that lap sweep, sweep out down to wherever it is. Excuse my French. <laughs> I can't remember what we were discussing, but I think Keaton Jennings should open the batting. That's what I'm saying. In defence of Don Sibley, everyone was sort of piling on to him saying, oh, he's clearly not that great at batting against against spin or whatever. We need to get Jennings in. Jennings has had his problems when he's been in the England side, to, to say that oh, yeah. there's a reason why he's not sort of regularly in the England he's side. He's not very good. <laughs> exactly. That's just coming from a man who's literally just proposed inclusion. Uh, <laughs> he, he likes a bit of spin. But, as, as was said during the Sri Lanka series, it's very, very rare that an opener faces a load of spin. He Even in India, yeah. he won't face anywhere near as much spin as he did in Sri Lanka. And also, he'd been played in the Sri Lanka series to try him out with it. Now, that just because he hasn't happened to have done that well doesn't mean that Jennings should have played in the Sri Lanka test. It made perfect sense to play Sibley. Sibley doesn't necessarily play terribly against spin, but he did play poorly in these four or maybe three subcontinental innings. I think that he's he's the one to go to who will be starting the first test as opening batsman. If he has a load of problems, then we'll find out. Yeah, I do agree. I find it hard when watching England to keep a, a neutral measured hat on. Um, and after the first test, I was full on. Sibley out, he's rubbish. And then after the... It, I sort of came to my sense and thought, well, at some stage batsmen have got to have experience to you know to work out how they're going to play these conditions and just because they can't do it in their first test in a subcontinent doesn't mean they're never going to be able i think the fact that he did uh albeit he did get a bit of fortune he did grit out um an innings in the second test proves his ability perhaps to be quite resilient and to work out a game plan yes he could have got you know, given out three times, but his bat looked like it was coming down a little bit straight and he wasn't as fallible to the LBW. So, you know, if you give him five, six, seven more tests in some continent, then maybe he's going to, uh, you know, be a different batsman to the one that we see after just one test. You've said grit out, but I'd like to know how many tests it will be before we see Dom Sibley style it out. <laughs> well, it'll get Billy Root teaching him how to sweep the ball and he'll be, uh, he'll be flying along. Absolutely. Uh, 
But I'd like to say a few quick words on on Anvil Dinier whilst we're whilst we're on the topic of him absolutely ripping through the England top order. He's he's looked bloody good, hasn't he? He has looked he's looked excellent. I I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the way his 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 shirt was buttoned up all the way to the top. I thought that was excellent. Um, he obviously ripped through our batting order on a number of occasions. He. I mean, he. To be honest, I, when I watch his action, I actually think he's quite innocuous. Almost in a, um, in the same way as when I watch someone like Herath Godden. Godden's laughing. I'm not sure what he's laughing about, but um, maybe he's still laughing at the. I just feel the like idea. you're building up to say something funny, and I'm preempting the. the well, the I do. Ha- I do have an observation about Umbaldinia, and it's not to do with his bat, uh, with his bowling. It's actually to do with his batting. I don't know. Did you guys clock uh, Umbaldinia's bat manufacturer? No, because mm. he's number eleven. Well, well it, maybe he is, but. His his bat manufacturer has on it uh, the maple leaf of Canada, so I do. Th- I wonder whether his bat is made made in Canada or made perhaps by Canada. It, it made me think like if we were going to outsource the production of cricket bats to an entire nation, perhaps a non cricket playing nation like Canada, what sort of nation would you go for? I have a few thoughts on the matter. Well. Why don't you go ahead with those thoughts? Because this is something which we were completely unprepared for. And even if you gave me, I don't know, 200 hours of study time, which at university was the allocated amount of time you should spend on a module, I don't yes. think I'd be able to come out up with anything. And given that this is our third podcast, first podcast of, lads, we won't need to edit this. It'll be all slick. I'm very intrigued mm-hmm. by you dropping this Canadian bombshell in. But go ahead. Yes, Burs. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've said that because... I think what what we want from a cricket bat, we want explosiveness. And what are the most explosive things in the world? Nuclear weapons, right? So what I think is very important is the nation that we outsource the production of our cricket bats to is a nuclear power. Ideally, a nuclear power with a high proliferation of willow trees. Now, there is one nation, if you do the Wikipedia searching that I've been doing, it comes to mind... No, well, they're a cricket-playing nation, Bertie. If you listened to the criteria earlier, you would have known that. <laughs> it's a very the, niche criteria. The, the nation with the highest number of nuclear warheads and the highest number of willow trees is Russia. So I think, really, we should outsource bat production to Russia. They will be explosive. They will be many because of the number of willow trees that they have. We can have hammer and sickles as our bat stickers, which I think we should all agree cinema. are cool. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but you, everyone's going vintage now, but everyone's going nine, 80s and 90s in terms of how they dress and their general style. So I think you go hammer and sickle, you go explosive Russian bats, Putin on a horse. What more do you want? <laughs> and how will this go down with the MCC and the laws of cricket? Because I know there have been issues with the thickness of, of the size of bats in past. In the yes. past, will there be an issue of the fact that the bats are radioactive? So no one can handle the ball. It will be bowling yeah. machines from now on. And also, yeah. And also yeah. the bowlers will be really annoyed because if they, I don't know the metric through which this power is operating, but in your words, yeah. they give them more power. The yes. Bowlers, it's not a bowler's game as it is. It won't be if they're nuclear powered bats. We, we both know guys, or we all know that Russia's uh, powers of diplomacy are great. You know, the Putin administration is unquestionably a mafia state. They are a criminal state. And yet they still get things done on the international stage. Right. So I think really they'll have they'll have a 
they'll have a walk in the park in terms of, you know, getting the MCC round to their radioactive drug-filled cricket bats. I, I think it's, we, we need to think liberally and we need to think about the future. I think this is a way we can enhance the game. That's what I'm saying. Is- and then Buldinia was making that statement by having the maple leaf on his bat. And it, it does check out as well because there is a, a very amusing clip of uh, Dick Weller asking for one of Joe Root's bats. So they've clearly not mm. got the uh, the prime willow in Sri Lanka that they need. So no. it's not even it's not just the ECB that needs to the outsource their cricket bat production, I suppose. But it could be a you know in the interna- in interest of international cricket that. Uh, that Russia step up their game. It's a very interesting point, Max, and I'm, I'm very glad you brought it up. Thank well, you. Off that, thank you. Off that, if uh, apparently we're giving uh, Joe Root's bats to, Shrak- to Sri Lanka, potentially Sri Lanka can uh, teach our spinners a thing or two about how to take wickets in the subcontinent because mm. Bess and Leach, 22 wickets between them, all quite good. But is it? Decent return, it's a little bit deceiving. In I've got Ollie written down in our notes. Best bowl dross, which I think is a little bit harsh, but I'll leave you to pick up on that. Um, well, I'll first say congratulations on that seg because I was uh, very interested to see how you're going to switch between uh, those two topics there, and you've done a very good job. I do think um, I've maybe been a little bit harsh on best because at times he bowled okay, um, but by and large he didn't. In the first test particularly, his uh, five was daylight robbery and that's being reasonably kind i think michael vaughan summed it up pretty well on uh comms or on twitter i struggled to see the difference between the two when he said uh, that if he gets into his room tonight he uh, he won't be happy with himself after, after uh snaring a test five um i do I, I can caveat that again by saying you know they haven't he hasn't played an awful lot of cricket recently Obviously, his product is Somerset, yet hasn't played an awful lot of first-class cricket in the last couple of years. Obviously, loaned out to Yorkshire and now with Yorkshire. So, who knows, with a few more um, overs under his belt over the coming years, maybe he could be the next uh, the next Graham Swan. But I, he just doesn't have that consistency that is nece- necessary in the subcontinent, especially where your spinners need to win your games. It's been unusual, hasn't it? Because uh, I, I do think there's a little bit too much stick going on towards him. Uh, friend of the show, Taha Hashim from uh, from Wisden has written an article saying like, we need to lay off Don Bess, and to be, he averaged twenty three in the series. Still, took I think the second most wickets in the series. It's the first real tour that has had any proper expectation on him. He hasn't he hasn't failed. He just looked he just looked rusty in parts. And if you extend that also to Jack Leach, who's his other spin bowling partner, he bowled well in the first test. In a way, if Sri Lanka hadn't well. If Leach had got a little bit luckier, he'd got wickets. And Sri Lanka have, have admittedly ground it out well in two, te- in two innings and also capitulated oddly in two innings. So it becomes very difficult to tell how well the spinners potentially have actually done. But these are two players that haven't played that much cricket recently. Leach is young, a lot of expectation on him. Leach has c- come back from a really serious illness and has still put in a creditable performance. I think... It's it's worrying for England fans the idea that oh, this spin is going to need to do so much more in India, but it's by no means a sort of disaster of a warm up. I don't think. No, absolutely not. I mean, look, it takes wickets, right? As 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 is well known, right? Ian Botham can you know attribute many of his wickets to the to sort of wide half volleys or, or you know long hops or whatever. Um, I Don Bess is. 
is is in the embryonic stages of his career. You know, he's a young player. He's not played a lot of first-class cricket. He's definitely not played a lot of test match cricket. He's only going to get better. And I think he's improved markedly from when he first came on the scene. Um, is Jeetan Patel still the England spin bowling coach? Is he still in the in the picture? Because if he is, I, I think he... I think his ceiling is quite high, Bess. But we do need to get off his back. There's no doubt about it. He looks like a... I don't know, he seems a pretty cocksure chap. Like, he doesn't seem to be too phased by the by the naysayers. I mean, I don't know if you've seen him interviewed. He's very um, he's very private school preppy. There's no doubt about it. You know what I mean? He's imbued with the confidence of a man who's had his education paid for him. Um, and perhaps that will perhaps that will leave him in good stead. I've got Gordon. Gordon looks absolutely itching to say something. I'm sure it's... Well, I've, I've got a question for you, Max. I think... Typically, there's a uh, willingness to thrust promising batsmen into the test arena because that's where they learn their trade, right? A bit yeah. like Crawley has done, a bit like Pope has done. My retort to what you've had to say about best being this embryonic stage is, is that bowlers aren't bowling in response to a stimuli, i.e. they can go and play first-class cricket and bowl overs, get overs in, in their belts and, you know, sort of harness some consistency, which would then bode well for test cricket my question and I, I, I arguably there's not enough competition but my question is would he be better served going and playing you know a year two years in the county championship and gaining that consistency and then coming back into the test setup I don't think especially at Yorkshire he's he would be as well positioned as he is now playing in places like the subcontinent where he's going to have an opportunity to bowl a side out on the fourth and fifth day to hone his craft, to hone his skills. Um, I don't think the county championship is the is the right arena. I think you're right, and, you, and we've seen the fact that they've been gradually bedding Bess in for about eighteen months. That I think that is that is the case. I don't think the argument that yeah. that you can let batsmen bed in in the Test arena because there's stimuli coming at them really holds for the spin bowlers because English wickets aren't set up to produce spin bowlers. England have effectively selected one that they've gone, right, we're going to build this one up. He's, he was also second choice at, at Somerset. He's moved to Yorkshire. Okay, he's not going to get as much time on a spinning wicket, but at least he will still get county championship time. Ultimately, there just aren't enough overs bowled by spinners for you to just be able to drop one in and expect them to perform. And, and I think that's what we've seen in Sri Lanka and the sort of gradual building of Bess up. Whether Bess is the best choice out of the spinners to, uh, to accompany Leach is another question. There's, there's other options out there, but the idea that you can drop in a spinner and expect it to suddenly work, I don't think holds uh, holds that much credence. Uh, two players which somehow are still making it work are Broad and Anderson. Class as ever, getting really, really old. Uh, combined figures of <laughs> 9 for 80 from 57 overs. Jimmy Anderson's uh, Bowling innings in particular in the second test, in the at the start of the second test, he's going at like one and a half and over. The Sri Lankans could hardly prize any runs out of him, and he took about six wickets. Like the oldest seamer ever to get a fire in the subcontinent, he's absolutely unstoppable, it seems. Mm. Yeah, I just wish England had dropped Broad earlier in his career so he could have that uh, diary room spat aged 23 and then he would have about 9,000 wickets by now, I think. It was phenomenal. Uh, the uh, the most boring argument in cricket, and we have engaged in it in the past, is 
how good is Anderson? Is he the greatest ever? We're not going into that. We've had enough of it because he is. Uh, but there's some fantastic stats that have come out in this past week that Jared Kimber likened Anderson to Richard Hadley, that in their first five, six years, their careers were sort of all right, averaging 31 and 35 respectively, Hadley and Anderson. The rest of their career, 19 and 24.7 with the ball. Like, the... Jimmy Anderson that we can see now isn't really fading because he is really the the best Anderson has been. The the past five years is the best Anderson we've ever had. He's averaged 20 for his past 200 wickets in in his last 50 tests. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I do think that if England are to win this series in India, it, it sort of... So many things have to come together for it to happen. And... If it does all come together, I think a lot of focus would end up being on Broad and Anderson because if those two can't get wickets, then they're not going to have a cat and chance of winning. I don't think, as well as the spinners. Uh, yeah, I read that stat you allude to uh, about Anderson. His average in his last fifty tests. I, I read the the parochial nativist part of me absolutely loves that stat just because if you compare his numbers in his last 50 tests to his contemporaries you know the greats of the game with the ball the likes of McGrath the likes of Walsh Warren Murley he's got a lower got a lower average than all of those guys and I always think when you look at England players the great England players when you look at their stats you know when, when they're in the top 10 um, players of all time in whatever discipline they are, whether they're batsmen or bowlers, they always seem to have played so many more games than the other guys in that list. And they always seem to have a higher average. You know, if they're a bowler, they always seem to have a higher average than the players in the list. And if they're batsmen, they always seem to have lower average in the, than the players in the list. So what I get, I'm saying is like... Lies, damn lies and statistics. Bloody, yeah, the stats weren't saying what I want them to say. And now the stats <laughs> are saying exactly what I want them to say. I and I'm very them. pleased about it. Yes. Push them to the degree that it really stokes up the English nationalism in you. Yes, yes, it does. Look, Bert, you got to remember, I am broadcasting to you right now from what I would, can only describe as UKIP country. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm not. I don't want to make this. I know we've already talked about geopolitics in this podcast, but it's a very, you know, it's a very uh, Farage hugging to use that well-known phrase, sort of area. Therefore, I'm very pleased that Jimmy Anderson averages 20 in his last 50 tests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's uh, let's stop hating on England. They've won the past four tests away. They've won the last four series. They've been figuring things out away from home and been doing just enough in those crunch moments to ultimately have it all come together. But you do still, still feel they'll always throw a session, which will be like that until, until the world ends with English cricket. Quick word on the Sri Lankans. It's not it's not the golden generation of uh, of Sri Lankan talent as we've seen, and they have nope. been a side which has been hit by injury in in recent months. But they've put on some really great Test matches, haven't they? They really mm-hmm. grind one out, got some really fun spinners. Dick will have some great chat around the stumps, and they really know how to uh, how to throw away in innings. Yeah, it's a shame we're a podcast, really, because I think what sums up Sri Lanka best is uh, is Mickey Arthur's body language. Um, and his shorts. <laughs> and his shorts. Snake in the grass. Jesus. It's joviality and lightheartedness mixed with um, furious anger within the space of about half a, half a session when they've lost 10 wickets. Um, you know, they are a country full of prodigious talent and always have been, but they've just never really 
or very rarely come together to produce that talent all at the same time. And uh, at given points throughout this series, you know, we've seen what Angelo Matthews can do. We've seen what um, the greatest of all time, Lassith and Bordinia can do. Um, <laughs> that They are a side, as I say, which, which when they come together will be very impressive, but they just never seem to be able to do that all at the same time. Really, the tour we're all waiting for is Australia's tour to uh, Sri Lanka because there'll be so much spin. Everyone will be mm. around stump like for the whole thing. You'll have Embledinia showing up Nathan Lyon and taking his crown. You'll have Dick Weller versus every single Australian. Great viewing. <laughs> yes, please. D- Dick Weller, Dick Weller, I don't know about you. He I really was I warmed to Dick Weller. He I thought he endeared himself to the uh, to the English cricketing fraternity that probably don't know a lot about him. You know what I mean? Like he he chirped enough, but not too much and not too aggressively. He scored runs with elegance and flair, but not too many. Uh, and he sort of got you know ninety two and hit it straight to mid on, you know, or mid off. Very very funny. I think I'm I'm going to drop a bombshell on you about another, Dick another, another bombshell. Another bombshell. Another bombshell isn't as tangential as the last one. That's going to endear you to Dick Weller even more. Now, Dick Weller's name. You know how a lot of Brazilian footballers uh, have really long names, and and their their name is either a nickname or it's a couple of names from the many names that they have. Well, it turns out Dick Weller was named in a similar fashion. So. Dick Weller in, uh, on Sky and on ESPN Crick Info is down as Nirishan Dick Weller. Okay. That is not, Nirishan is not his first name. All right, go on. Dick Weller's off. first name, well, Dick Weller's first name is in fact Dick Weller. So his name is Dick Weller, Dick Weller? His name is Dick Weller, Dick Weller. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm not winding you up. Yes, it is. I, I, I was looking up his stats, right? And uh, yeah, his name is Dick Weller. Pata Bendiga, Delanta, Nirishan, Dick Weller. His name is Dick Weller, Dick Weller. But I assume, yeah, I know, it's good. It's it good. Is. Um, it's like right. JJ Concha. So good they named JJ him twice. Named him twice. But would you, what I also think is quite interesting is, firstly, his nickname is Nero. Now, I can only assume that's because he was a, you know, a high-class barista at Candy's <laughs> premier coffee shop. But secondly, it says on his Wikipedia page that he's a prodigious player of the Dill Scoop. Now, I, I think that's good. It's an innovative shot. But I think it would have been better if he'd had pioneered the Dill Scoop before Dillshan had pioneered the Dill Scoop. It would be the Dick Scoop. And that, well, come on. That's, that's an own goal. Why has that not well, happened? As soon it's very as interesting said, logistics going on there. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, 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 true. As soon as you said that Dilshan point, I knew what was coming. I had to mute myself. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you delivered that with a plum. Right. So, Dick scoop. And he'll tell you with his plums. With his plums. You must have... You must have had a, an investigative journalism module at, at your city course, did you? Alongside your... It, it may have it may have happened for event for events such as this for Dick Weller Dick Weller sessions such as that we're having now. But I just thought, yeah, I just thought you guys and the listener would enjoy that. Uh, and on, on on Dick Weller, I do have a slight question. Well, not a slight question. If he was if he produced the same amount of volume and were Australian, would we be so um, becoming towards him? Would we not find that tremendously annoying? I'd be volume fine. of chatter. I'd be Is, fine yeah, because I'm neutral. Like a little harmless Sri Lankan, a bit like I don't know, <laughs> like a, a, new, a kiwi. If, if yes, like that, the we just like them. As they endear themselves towards us. So, so yeah, yeah. if it was from Australia or another country that uh, you know English people don't like, 
But there's a lovely towing of the line in that it's completely harmless, everything that Dick Willis says. Again, about the third <laughs> yeah. podcast in a row, we're talking about bloody stunt Mike. But he said to Dom Sibley, do you think you'll be starting in India? It's completely harmless. It it would yeah. really throw me off guard. And Sibley just turns around and goes, I don't know, mate. I've not been playing very well. But it's good. No, but the thing is, I think, and this is where the Australians miss, miss a trick with their sledging. It's like they go so hard, they go so aggressive that it's, it's so obvious what they're trying to do. Whereas I think Dick Weller and, and England and India, they, they couch their sledging in pleasantries. You know, they're, they're, a, they're an iron fist in a velvet glove. You know, they're hiding the dagger so yeah, to expose you to the, to the sort of ramifications of what they're saying. Australia, they need to take a leaf out of Sri Lanka's book. They need to take a leaf out of India's book and out of England's book. Just, you know, disguised a bit more, a bit more subtlety. Australia, you know, they're not a nation of subtlety, is what I'm saying. Um, and they could, they, could use, they could use Dick Weller and his many words. Well, I imagine uh, Dick Weller, Dick Weller would be... Weller, Weller. I, him and Dilshan would probably make a, <laughs> make a great pairing as a tag team wrestling team. Because we've been talking this week... Which cricketers? This is this is this is the segue to end all segues. Which cricket pairing would make the best tag team wrestlers? Go. And his name is John Cena. Max, have you got? You I mean, Dick Weller. Dick Weller, I think, should be in there just because you know you know when uh, in India, kabaddi is very big, and yeah. they all say kabaddi, kabaddi, kabaddi. I think Dick Weller <laughs> could be a wrestler that constantly says his own name. Mm. Dick Weller, Dick Weller, Dick Weller, Dick Weller, Dick Weller, because that would <laughs> scare the out of me. And the, and the other guy I thought who'd be good is, uh, is your friend of mine, Johnny Bairstow. You know, he's got a lot of pent-up aggression. He's a strong boy. He's quick. Mm. He's sort mm. of got that Neanderthal low centre of gravity. <laughs> be difficult to, you know, sort of floor. I think him and Dick Weller. Mm. Slippery They've got it covered together, don't they? They do have it covered together. Yeah. I, I went completely... Um, it's interesting how you sort of paired different styles because I, I went, let's put power on power. With uh, nice. with Murph Hughes and uh, Matty Hayden, I just think as a, as a, it'd be like the Undertaker and Kane, I think, um, immovable, and they've got to get the crowd on the side as well. Merv, he's got the tash, he's got he's just got the personality to be a wrestler. Then look, they're not climbing up the turnbuckles, they're not six one nining, but uh, they're getting the job done. Yeah. I definitely think uh, Matthew Wade with. Uh... <laughs> With David Warner would be everyone would love to hate him. Everyone would could really get yeah. behind a love to hate David Warn, uh, David Warner and, uh, and Matt Wade coming in, and they dress exactly the same. They shave their mustaches <laughs> identically, so that actually yeah. the uh, the opposition doesn't even realise that they've tag teamed in and out. But there'll be proper <laughs> dirty Not tactics. Massive. Warner would be like on the edge of the ring, just giving it a load of talk. Uh, but there would be no subtlety there play whatsoever. There'd be a whole lot of, uh, of I don't want to say dirty tricks in the ring, uh, but it would be uh, a brute, uncompromising power. But, but, but I mean, wrestling, you talk about subtlety there, Bert, and Australia are not as subtle people as we've discussed, but I, you know, wrestling is not a subtle game, you know? And for the same reason, I think, you know, you look at the England players, can you imagine Joe Root and Zach Crawley tag team? And no, I cannot. Too posh, too nice, too intelligent, right? You want brute Australian force. You think about the cars they produce in Australia, right? They produce Holders. that weird, vo yeah, that weird Vauxhall thing, right? <laughs> that is the nation of wrestlers. We we shouldn't even discuss England players. The fact that I brought up Johnny Bairstow was a mistake <laughs> on my part, and I do apologise. 
I, I do think that, that yes. I do think that amidst all the fireworks that would go on in the Royal Rumble, uh, Manus and Smith would ultimately end up winning because they'd be so dedicated to the cause of wrestling <laughs> that they would study it <laughs> to the nth degree, and they would sort of generate very little excitement amongst the fans. But they would sort of just churn through the rounds and beat people yeah. out. It would like sort of like. Uh, Pinches and Vulcan death grips, like stuff that would really put people on edge and like Why floor them in pinching? one. That's a great point. They should definitely use pinching more in wrestling. I never thought of that. I reckon. Uh, I reckon Marnus would probably like. He'd be so keen to feed Smith Seago that he'd probably just whoever they were wrestling against, he would just move his opponent in such a way and just force him onto Smith's hip. In which case, Smith would just sort of hit <laughs> took them him off the legs. Down, took him off his legs, just down towards sort of thigh leg or the, the corner of the ring or whatever. I think that's how how it would certainly work. But I, I like your thinking there, but that's that's good stuff. Well, that's an absolutely uh, absolutely lovely image. And with that, we're back straight after this. No more straight back, Lee. Come on, Candy. Throw your wicket away. Yeah! 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 Welcome back to The Wrong and Everybody. India, fresh from uh, their loosener beating Australia the Gabba, finally face the big boys. A, quite frankly, pretty middle-of-the-road England side, which has, let's face it, got little chance of winning in India. But it's nice to know that they'd rested the entire first team by the looks of it, just so that they were ready for the likes of big boys, Bess, Leach, and out-of-form mm. Sibley. I'd admittedly very good Joe Root at the moment, but they've been doing their selection rotation policy. Looks like England are also doing theirs. Same squad as Sri Lanka, except Arch, uh, uh, Archer and Stokes and Burns are all back. Pope's going to travel. There's suddenly a lot of names back in the mix, aren't there? The samurai is back. <laughs> Rory, the samurai is back. He's birthed. He's had a child. He's back to score some runs. I'm excited. I want to know how long his hair is. Is Have you not seen his hair? He's a samurai warrior. He's got, he's rocking a ponytail. It's superb. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't think it matters who we play. We're going to lose (laughs) 4-0. It's irrelevant. We might as well end the podcast now. It it doesn't matter because they're going to score big first innings runs because our spinners aren't good enough. And if we bat first, you know, as we have discussed in the past, England from positions of strength can throw away whatever advantage they have in a session. And to be honest, I don't expect England to be in a position of strength because Sibley, Crawley, Samurai Warrior, they're not prodigious players of spin. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard work. But Fantastic optimism. Do. Yes. <laughs> it looks like Butler, so Butler's going to be rested for the second test, which leaves Folks and Bracey as wicket-keeping options. Uh, Bearstow, it seems to have been have been dropped for the start of it. Who do we think England are sort of going to end up going for off the basis of Sri Lanka, and and how do we think that then that then sets them up for the series, Ollie? Yeah, I mean, obviously the dropping inadvertent commas of Bearstow is a contentious and controversial topic with an England fan hat on. I don't like it at all because of how well he plays spin and indeed played in Sri Lanka given the form he's in. But I can't, the cynic in me can't help but feel that the the rotations they've made on this occasion make selection a little bit of a cop-out because I think any competition there may have been for places is, you know, replaced by the fact that 
the players who are rested will just be straight swapped for the players that are coming in, essentially. I don't think there's much. I think the only dilemma they have is whether to play three spinners or three seamers. I think the, the batting line they'll go with is Burns and Sibley, Crawley, Root, Lawrence, um, Stokes and Butler until Pope gets fit. And then I suppose there is a selection headache. But even so, he'll come in for one of the openers or Crawley or Lawrence. I don't think there's really too much... Um, contentiousness if on the other hand Bairstow was still around they're going to have to they would have had to upset someone and not pick someone so I, as, as I say I can't help but feel there's a little bit of a, a selection cop out with your other hat on you might as well you might say that they've um, you know it's horses of course and they've they've dropped again in inverted commas the right people I suppose yeah, I think uh, we've been talking about this a lot over the past week or so, and I think we slightly forget that there are some there are some big guns coming back into the side. Like Archer and Stokes are absolutely certs. Burns, it wouldn't be right not to play him. Pope, when he's fit, will play. That sort of sorts a lot of the selection problems. Like you said with Bersto, it's it's a sort of weird one, isn't it? That you said to me earlier in the week that it's weird that we're resting people. It seems based on the fact that they've chosen to play back to back IPLs and. Bairstow seems to be the sort of player who you who would be like and would like to play every game. But at the same time, like I don't think we should underestimate how difficult bubble cricket is. Like from all the players that you hear of off who've been in even last summer, have been in hotels for months on end. Remember they've had two months nearly in the bubbles over the course of last summer. Some also went to play in the IPL. They also went down to South Africa and didn't play, end up playing as many games as they wanted to. Admittedly, some of those weren't test players. And they've also spent time in quarantine in Sri Lanka. So it's not a normal situation to be playing cricket in, and it might just be very natural for England to be going, right, this test we've allocated for so-and-so to have a rest. And if they're in, like, absolute disaster zone, they can play them. But a lot, a lot of it might just be the feeling within the camp. I yeah. think... Sorry, 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 Ollie. You know what? It's funny. You raising uh, the sort of cynical, like, are they just resting players so they don't have to sort of carry any responsibility when it inevitably all goes hor- horribly wrong? I am sort of seduced by that argument. It's it's a bit QAnon-y. But you are very I, much I, seduced I... by uh, something which is potentially... Uh, a Bollocks. reckless idea or with uh, little theoretical <laughs> grounding. Yes. Yes, I am. Well, because I like to, you know, I like to be critical, Bertie. I like to question the underlying motives of decision makers and, you know, people in power. But no, uh, I, I, well, I do worry for England in India. As good as it's been, I wonder if it's a little bit of the car before the storm, Sri Lanka. I, you know, I, I would like to talk about Butler because Butler had a good Sri Lanka. I thought he had a good, a good Sri steering, Lanka. He had a good Sri Lanka. Um, But I still don't... And, you know, he has largely sort of covered his place, but I still don't think the jury have quite returned a verdict yet. And if he scores runs in the games that he does play, is he playing the first couple, Butler? Is that right? I got that right. He's playing the first one. Right. If he scores runs in that first test match, he has not got the weight of test match runs previously. He hasn't had a great run of form before. He will be not very pleased to have been dropped when he's scored, if he scores runs, because he'll think, well, this is an opportunity. I'm in a good vein of form to cash in. Conversely, if he doesn't score any runs, and, and then he knows folks is coming in, who's only ever performed well in an England shirt, I think he'll also be looking over his shoulder. I just don't understand why you would drop a player that 
all right, yeah, he does play all three formats. It's and he did play in the IPL. Yeah, but I just think if you're him, you want to be a test cricketer. And you're playing India, right? The the bigger India away. It's the biggest test in Red Bull cricket. I think you wanna you want the opportunity to show that you are a bona fide test player. You deserve that number seven position. I think that's I think that's fair, but I also don't think that Butler is that far off potentially kind of having that bona fide test player stuff actually mm. sort of concretely there like he had a very good summer yeah. last year and also he's sort of the vice one of the vice captains or people in the leadership group I, I don't buy this idea that like players are just sort of dropped like this and that like mm. if he is effectively the vice captain of the side he's he's not being dropped for the second test he's being rested because he's playing an absolute shed load of cricket and there's so no, much course. more cricket to play this summer I think yeah. the one thing that people will have been sort of thinking is, okay, there were World Chess Test Championship points on the line <laughs> in Sri Lanka. And, well... Well, well just, well, you've been watching too much uh, Queen, Queen's Gambit. I've, no, I've not watched it, actually, no. Yeah, uh, that goes to Russia. Anyway, don't worry. Uh, but... <laughs> I can't let me get, can I get my head in the game. You're making it so difficult yeah. to do this, uh, yeah. do this unedited, let's be honest. Yeah, unedited. Good luck. But... There were a few players who weren't there for England and there were World Test Championship points on the line. Uh, but I think the general undercurrent amongst some England fans seemed to be, why didn't we test it out a little bit more in Sri Lanka rather than potentially subbing people in for the Indus series? Mm. But this is the way that they've gone. And remember, it's always flexible. Like We just see how they do in the first test and see how they get along. I think... Obviously, the two questions in cricket, batting and bowling. How good will each be? We've talked about the spinners and how they, it remains to be seen whether they sort of can do it. We've talked about uh, talked about Anderson and Broad. I think a little bit of a worry at the moment, just from the past couple of tests, is how fallible the top order is going to be. There seems to be a lot, a lot of reliance on Root. Like he was scoring, I think, north of 40% of England's, uh, England's runs, if, if not half of their runs in the entire series against Sri Lanka. Burns, Sibley and Crawley all sort of unproven in the subcontinent and it doesn't really sit with me the idea that, doesn't sit well with me the idea that potentially it might go alright but it could just suddenly crumble and we just, we're not scoring enough runs in in India. I don't think it will suddenly crumble, I think it will immediately crumble. Um (laughs) You read those names, Burns, Sibley, Crawley. If they were playing at Edgebaston, yes, please, thank you very much. Playing in Chennai, no, thank you. Chennai, the Birmingham of India. The Birmingham of India, absolutely not. I I mean, I think, you know, Burns will be closer to his native Japan. That will be good. He'll feel more at home. But I, I just... It just doesn't like when we when we went in two thousand. What was it? Two thousand twelve, thirteen that we won, and we had Cook opening the batting, and sort of Nick, you know Nick Compton was a bit of a walking wicket. But then you had Trot. You had Trot. Yeah. You, you just look at that top three and you go, yeah, that looks nice. And you look at our four, five, six now, four, five, six, seven, and it gives you that feeling of actually these guys can play spin, these guys can counter punch, they can put pressure pressure back on the opposition. But I can't help when I hear Zach Crawley's name and I think of the subcontinent, I can't help but thinking his big ungainly frame is just gonna prod forward tentatively, he's gonna push with his hands, he's gonna nick off, or he's gonna get caught in front of the bat. I just can't think of anything else. <clears throat> with that um sort of walking wicket mind frame mindset then i'll pose to you the question what is a good score for three 
when we win the toss and bat first. <laughs> Are we saying, you know, 30 for three, I'll take it? Or are we, uh, are we upping, upping our standards from there? What do you think? Gut, I, when you said 30 for three, my gut response was, meh, not bad. <laughs> Genuinely not. It's recoverable, right? 30 for three. We've been Root 30 just, for three before. Root can sweep his way to, uh, to 200 every test. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think if England can get through the first... If England, look, if England could be 50 for two on the first day, I think we're all right. Genuinely, I'm being deadly serious now, right? Geopolitics, Russia and whatever aside. I would suggest that you put uranium into cricket bats to increase their power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, it's the most explosive in the world, man. Nuclear warhead cricket bats is what we all need. Um, no, I genuinely, if England are 50 for two on the first morning of the first test, happy, yeah, yes, please. I think, I think that's exactly what Silverwood would be saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, they, as they go out to sing the national anthem, Burns, Sibley, Crawley, you're all relatively indispensable, uh, dispensable rather. If you can just yeah. uh, muster up a, a double-figure score, you've done your job. I think what yeah. is important to say about the batsmen in India is that the word the word unproven is ultimately the word, and you can float around various mm. averages against spin that different players have. But ultimately, the vast majority of them, we just don't know how well they could bat in India. And our gut instinct is that it won't be quite good enough. Whether or not it's Bairstow who has a better average against spin than uh, than Crawley or whoever. Ultimately, they're generally players of a relatively similar ability and no one picks themselves. And uh, just hopefully, England can get through to the sweet spot of 50 for two. And then, <laughs> as we all know, this will be the series <laughs> where... Moeen Ali catapults himself back to stardom as the number eight, mm. who not only spins England to victory, but also counterpunches with his lower low order runs. On the Ali topic, let's not forget that in the last test England played in Chennai, he scored 144 batting at four. So but what was maybe... the batting wicket like at that match, Ollie? Because I think India might have hit 700 and a guy who only play average 16 or something apart from that scored triple hundred i forget after the uh the first inning but i'm pretty sure moan alex scored 144 batting at four so maybe they sort of reverse the order simply comes in at six or seven eight ideas i'm spitballing here i'm spitballing we're not going to uh, keaton jennings Keaton Jennings, sorry, Bert, I'm going to interrupt you, but all I'm saying is Keaton Jennings runs in India. Hasib Hamid runs in India. No runs oh, anywhere else, I'm, but runs I'm in India. Almost certain that I'll start piping off about Hasib Hamid as soon as, uh, yeah. soon as England are 50 yeah, for three. I'm going to be honest, but that's definitely for 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 a later show. Uh, we all know how good India. Well, not how good India are, but we all know about their depth. We've seen that in Australia. They'll be coming off that series with an immense amount of confidence and there'll be so many players in England with England it's like who do we pick in effect to potentially get through the day instead they've got a load of young players who are there now like right who pick me and I want to win as the game there'll be an enormous amount of confidence in that Indian side we're not going to go that deep into India because our our India expert isn't joining us today and we're going to hear so much about India over the uh, over the coming weeks that to be honest, given that we've spoken about it for the past two weeks and didn't even touch on England last week, uh, we can have an India rest for a little while. So predictions before the start of the series. I'm going to go for 3-0, but England will be comfortably beaten, not hammered. 
it will be vaguely interesting for a couple of tests. Four zip. Is it four tests, four test series? It is a four test series. And we've only got <laughs> yeah, another five after that this summer. Four nil. There'll be a couple of, uh, you know, valiant defeats. Root will get some runs. They'll just be better than we will. And we will lose. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, just so you know, India will win the first one. England will win the second one. They'll everyone will be full of hope. We're going to do it. We're going to win India, and then India will win the last two. Three one India. Well, that's uh, that's some slight extra optimism, and uh, maybe if they fly in old Keaton Jennings, that'll uh, that'll scramble them to a two all draw. But it remains to be seen. Uh, as it as as of recording this podcast, we still don't actually know where we'll be able to watch the series. Uh, the cricketer has said that they're going to write match reports based on TMS commentary as it stands. The I has said that Channel Four are in the hunt for the rights, which will be uh, which will be fun if it's on. Hopefully, uh, mm. recreate the uh, the days of uh, 2005 Ashes, but instead it's at eight o'clock in the morning. Which will be the uh, first please. overseas test free to air if it if it comes to pass, which would be um, well not that exciting, but like it'd, it'd be well well exciting. Like yeah, the BT sorry, will. Probably, probably still have the main rights. Probably Disney might be involved. Like, I don't know. Cartoon Network. Get on with it. Nickelodeon, Dave. If it, oh, mate, if it was on Dave, can you imagine? <laughs> well, Dave are just showing all the old 2005 highlights and maybe yeah. what we're talking about in 2012. <laughs> We're not going to be getting anything that's, uh, anything that's brand new. They only show the comical ones, so we won't be getting the victories. <laughs> It's funny you say that. Their recent adverts uh, is a play on the fact that everyone slags them off at only having old stuff when they've got a lot of originals. So yeah, really? I think that, that that really invalidates that joke that we've just been having. So oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. Carry on. Anyway, let's have uh, some extras just to finish. You spotted this week, Ollie. Tim Payne carrying uh, carrying the water bottles and the uh, and the, and the batsman's gloves for Hobart Hurricanes, which uh, particularly uh, tickled your fancy. Yeah, he's got the exterior of a man who's happy to be the uh, the club man. I'll do anything for the team, and no doubt the interior of a man who is absolutely fuming. Surely, surely you can't go from being test captain of your country to uh, to carrying six Gatorade bottles and nine pairs of gloves. He's got a he's got a very um, fetching sort of almost like a sort of caddy's vest on. Just then the people going. don't identify that that's the Tim Payne who's going to go in and get. <laughs> 20 off 20 in the T20. There is, I'm glad you've raised the vest. There's something very emasculating about the vest that I'm looking at. But also, I want to comment about Tim Payne's hair. He's got the hair of like a man whose wife has recently left him. Like, you know what I mean? He, it's, things are not going well. He's trying to take control of his life. He's like, look, Tim, you've got to, sometimes you've got to do things for you. You've just got to do simple things that make you happy. And he's got, in the morning, he's gone, yeah, Buffon. It's a blow dry job, isn't it? It is because he needs to do things to make himself feel better. He's had a long shower. He's used Pantene Pro V. Uh, he's blow dried that that those luscious locks, and then he's applied a liberal amount of product to make himself feel better because things aren't going well in his life. Oh, okay, mm. uh, potentially maybe he just has nice hair when he's not having to wear a wicket keeping helmet all the time. He probably does have nice hair. Yeah, it's, it's true. Not, it's- I think it's not helped by the fact he, the man he is delivering gloves to, he has just dropped for a test series, which makes it even better. Matt Wade, yeah. 30, 24? 24 off 17 balls, and he's, uh, he's taken away his sweaty gloves. Let's face it. Laced with poison. Tim Payne is not the one who's doing the dropping. 
let's face it like (laughs) like whoever justin langer jl is not going through pain for all the droppings i think they're going they'd go over pain for the droppings (laughs) pain found out at the same time as wade the the question with the with less responsibility and less playing time and hats at least uh tp's uh hair looks hair looks fairly nice looks excellent elsewhere sorry that's elsewhere Dale Stain has moved into skateboarding at the age of 37, something that none of us could have ever predicted, but it looks like he's having a lovely old time. He's moved to Seattle. He's enjoying the rain. He started playing. He has now. If you look what he's wearing, if you look what he's doing. Looks like he could be in Nirvana in the early 90s. He's joined a grunge band. He's got ill-fitting shirts and very, very baggy trousers. He's smoking loads of weed everything's good in dale's life i'm there for it i love it it's good did you know seattle has the highest number of serial killers of any american state no i didn't know that <laughs> you are, you're on encyclopedia Mate, pointless facts so i'm just saying dale say you know if, if maybe that maybe after a while the rain will get dale down and he'll commit a terrible atrocity it's good that we don't have any listeners in it because we would be libeled a lot <laughs> Well, you're not the one who had it, has to edit this. It's true. It's true. Yeah, good point. Well made. It's funny. In uh, in preparation for this podcast, I actually uh, googled India England 2021 to uh, to pull up some uh, cheeky factoids, and uh, sort of fell upon a salacious headline reading Virat Kohli out if he doesn't win next two tests or something of that nature. So intrigued, I clicked on it thinking that he was uh, his captaincy was <laughs> under pressure and in doubt. Only what were to the read, sky uh, sources? <laughs> only to read England spinner Monty Panesar says Virat Kohli should be dropped. <laughs> next two tests. I thought you were going to tell me Roman Abramovich had taken over the BCCI <laughs> and he was just cutting people's heads off, just... Uh, whenever he wanted they didn't even include well I suppose there's two facts A that they've gone to him or have used him as a reliable source anyway and B that they've just decided not to include him in the uh, in the headline yeah but ultimately yeah, Ollie, did you funny. click through the link <laughs> yeah look traffic it's all about Max Max Parry will tell you digital man over there it'll, it's oh, all yeah. about the, uh, the, the clicks and the traffic and all those sort of buzzwords low bounce percentage high volume of traffic get that advertising revenue in there you know. And if the way that you do that is by getting Monty to uh, to shoot a few words about what's going to go on with the India team, then fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So it's the way, it's the way modern media works through Panasar, and that's the way we're going to live with it. Anyway, I think that's all we've got time for today. I always forget to put this into the middle of the show, uh, but if you could subscribe to us, then that would be great. And then you get a notification that goes, oh, The Wrong One's got a new episode out. And, and then you go, oh, great, I'll listen to that now, even when you're at work. A great companion to uh, whilst you're trying to uh, look busy on a, on a Zoom call, potentially. But we have an entire England versus India series to go ahead, so we'll be very, very, very busy. Because between all of us, it's a purely England and India contingent. So really, this is what we've all dreamed of, to be honest. Yep. Yeah, I just feel bad for Max, but he's uh, he's filled with so much pessimism. Negative. So much pessimism. Pessimism, sadness, woe. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.